Good morning. Good morning. I'm John Hall, assisting priest at Christ the Redeemer Anglican, uh, which the building's located in Pendleton, but most people think of that area as Clemson. And it's really good to be with you this morning. Uh, I'm here to baptize one of our grandchildren in the second service, so it's a real joy to be with you all. We're going to be thinking about this uh, gospel reading this morning. Uh, it's, it's Easter evening. So Mary and others uh, of the women have seen Jesus after he rose from the dead, but not much of anyone else. And they're afraid of what the Jews are going to do to them, the leaders of the Jewish people, Pharisees and Sadducees. And they're locked behind closed doors, and Jesus appears to them. Uh, we're going to think about that this morning, but let's go into prayer and ask God to uh, speak to us. Father, thank you uh, for your word that you haven't, haven't left us in a, in a world of silence uh, or a world that's uh, filled with a cacophony of voices where your voice is absent. And so we pray that you would give us the ears to hear what you're saying today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, recently, I became aware of a Maori practice. The Maori are the indigenous peoples of New Zealand. And they have a, a very interesting greeting called hunji. Uh, what they do is when someone comes up to meet you, and I, I do this with Seth, but I'm too embarrassed to do it. Uh, it, it and you, you might grab the hand or embrace them, but the way you greet someone is you touch your forehead and your nose to their forehead and their nose. And it goes back in their culture to or their uh, origin stories about life being breathed and shared into, with one another. Um, and it's interesting to think about that in light of what Jesus does here with his disciples. He breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. Think about what it would have been as a Jewish person. Now, when they say fear of the Jews here, they're talking about the leaders, the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, but all of these would have been Jewish people that were disciples of Jesus. Can you imagine what it was like being Jewish, knowing the creation narrative about how God took clay and molded that clay into a human being and then breathed, as it says, in the breath of life into the nostrils uh, of that first human. Can you imagine having that narrative as part of your DNA? You'd not just memorized it or heard it told. It was part of how you thought about your life in this world. And, and you've got that in your head, and Jesus gets in your face and breathes on you and says, Receive the Holy Spirit. Um, not many days after this, Jesus will not only breathe, but there'll be a mighty wind where the Spirit is, is given to all of God's people on the day of Pentecost that we will be celebrating at, at the end of May. Uh, I want you to think about the profound intimacy of this event as God calls uh, his people to serve him in the world he begins by saying, I'm going to share my life with you. Breathing on them, breathing into them, 
the very Spirit of God. The Spirit of God has come to make a home in our bodies so that we can share the very life of God. So let's see if we can tease this out a bit this morning. What does it mean to share in God's life uh, as we've had his life embedded in us by the Holy Spirit? Well, let's begin this by thinking back to uh, how you began as a disciple of Jesus. What, what happened? Well, a number of things happened, but one of them is um, at some point you were baptized. And, and maybe that was as an infant, as we will do today in the 11 o'clock service, where that child, uh, Oliver, is going to be baptized as a disciple of Jesus, to grow up in a home where he's going to hear about Jesus and learn to talk to Jesus and hear Jesus' word read to him and be a part of this community of God's people. Or it might have been when you were an adult that you came to be a disciple of Jesus and you were baptized at that, that point. Do you remember the words that we utter at baptism? The most important words, the words that Jesus gave us to say when people are baptized and brought into discipleship with him, what are they? I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm assuming many of you have been baptized, if not most of you have been baptized, and I want you to think about this for a moment. Uh, if you haven't been baptized, that's okay. This is what you can have to look forward to. What does it mean to be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? Well, for, first of all, it, it, it means to be marked as Christ's own forever. Those are the very words we use in the baptismal liturgy. So all of you that were baptized, do you realize you've been marked as one of Christ's own forever? It's like a tattoo that you can't get rid of. You might try to get rid of it, but it's, it's there. And maybe some of you are working very hard to get it off to... There's got to be a way. There's a way you can do this, right? I don't know much about it. I don't have a tattoo. But um, I'm sure there's some of you that had tattoos. Rosie on your arm. And uh-oh, Rosie's gone now. Now I've got to put Sue. So you had to get rid of that name. But, but we're marked, tattooed with, with, as, as Christ's own forever. That, that means we have a secure, well-known, well-defined identity. We don't have to create an identity. We don't have to find our identity. It's who we are at the core of our being. We have been identified with God, baptized in the name, which means more than just a name like we would use it, but into the very person of, of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It means you're not an orphan. 
you're not alone no matter what you're going through this morning, no matter how hard life is, no matter what kids have done to you at school that really were painful, or the suffering you're going through as an adult, you're not alone in that. You're not an orphan who has to scrap and scrape to get through it. You are a son or daughter of the Heavenly Father, marked as one of Christ's own forever, who has the very spirit, life of God in you. Because you've been breathed on by Jesus in your baptism. But it's, but it's, it's, it's more than that. It's your baptism means you've been embedded into the very life of God. Uh, the word baptize them in the name, the little preposition in, can also be translated into. Baptize them into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. What can that mean other than being embedded in the very life of God, His Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? To visualize it, think of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit sitting around a campfire and you're in the circle, telling tales, laughing. You're embedded in the very life of God as He is embedded in you by the Holy Spirit. Uh, I was telling the story about the Maori practice some weeks ago at Christ the Redeemer, and um, we have this little brief time where people can share stories about how God is working in their lives. And a woman stood up. She and her husband were missionaries in Nepal for a number of years. She was a pediatrician uh, that served the needs of the most poor kids in, in the part of Nepal where they lived. And she said one, this is the story she told, um, she said one day they brought to me a lifeless baby that had turned blue. And we called for the oxygen and the mask was too big, it wasn't going to work. And uh, she said, I realized I needed to do mouth to mouth. And I looked down at this, this way she put it, this snotty nosed kid that who had, we don't know what diseases. And I put my mouth on her mouth and breathed life into her, and she was res re resuscitated. Isn't that a little bit about, isn't that a little bit like what God has done with us? Um, he breathes life into we who are diseased and sinful and messed up, and he breathes life into us, his life. Well, this is who we are. Um, by having the Holy Spirit in us, we're identified with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And it, it leads to thinking about what we're called to do in this world. Um, look at how this passage is bracketed. So, and you can see it there in your bulletin. In verse, um, let's see, it's verse 21, uh, 22. Excuse me, verse 21. 
Jesus says, peace be with you. And there's, we could talk a lot about that. We aren't this morning about the peace that he gives them in light of their fear. But then he goes on to say, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. So he's saying, just as the Father in heaven sent me uh, into this world, I'm sending you out throughout the world. And that's so it's the sending is bracketed by what he says in verse 22. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you will hold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now, that's a mouthful, isn't it? Really? Well, let's think about it just very simply as when we talk about Jesus and the forgiveness of sins that is available to friends and family members that don't know Jesus yet, or for any of you that might be in that category this morning, as we hold out to you this good news about Jesus forgiving sins, then we're fulfilling what Jesus talked about. But do you see how this is bracketed? They are breathed on by Jesus to receive the Holy Spirit that's going to become in all of its fullness some days later at Pentecost, and it's bracketed by a calling. Just as the Father sent me into the world, I'm, I'm sending you into the world. It's, it's not just for you to be happy and have a lot of good, great, great religious experiences and feel good about church and about being a Christian. He said, no, you've got a purpose in this world. Whether you're a doctor or lawyer or ditch digger or whatever, you, you have this purpose as a sent one who is proclaim good news about forgiveness that people long for and often don't, don't even realize it. But they are going to need empowering to do this, right? Any of you ever felt nervous about talking to a colleague about Jesus? At that moment, you feel pretty weak or helpless or I don't really want to do this. Does anybody ever feel like that, like I do? We need empowering, don't we? We need to have something we don't have in ourselves. And so the being sent to proclaim is in its middle has Jesus breathing on them the Holy Spirit to share in the very life of God so they will have what they need to give to others, life, but will have the Spirit who will empower them to do uh, what he's called them to do. So you see, the Christian life is not about achieving, doing all the right stuff to get God to like you. Recently, I had a group of college guys that went around the, around the circle. There were four of them. I said, tell me what God thinks of you right now. As you think about God looking at you, what, what, is, what is a word that comes to mind that describes how you feel God looks at you? And you know what the responses were? Disappointed. Disgusted. I'm just one of many. I suspect in this room, if I ask that question, ask you to speak it out, 
there'd be many of you that would say, yeah, I'm just one of many. I'm not anything special. Matter of fact, I do a lot of things that make me not very special to God. Or in light of what has been going on in your life, you might say, I think he's disgusted with me. Or really disappointed. One of these young men said, yeah, it's, I, I know what I'm supposed to do as a Christian, but I can't seem to do it, so I know he looks at me and he's disappointed. Now, whether God is ever disappointed with us or disgusted with some of the things we've done, the reality is he loves his children, right? He loves his children. When they're throwing temper tantrums, when they're slamming the door, when they're doing all sorts of stuff, he loves them. They're, we're his children. You are a son of the Heavenly Father because the Holy Spirit dwells in you. You're a daughter of the King because the Holy Spirit dwells in you. You have been identified with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the one true God. And He has called you into this world to get over yourself and tell people this good news that even messed up people like you can find forgiveness of sins. And have the breath of God's life breathed on them. Amen. It's not about what we achieve. It's about God calling us to implement what Christ has achieved. As we go into the world. So this morning when we come to the Lord's table... Think about uh, Jesus being here at his table and this bread and wine. Think about him wanting to breathe on you again. We're told in, by Paul in Ephesians, be filled with the Spirit. It's a continual tense. Be, continually be filled with the Spirit. Uh, it's interesting, he puts that in contrast to being drunk with wine. So basically he's saying, get intoxicated with the Holy Spirit rather than with alcohol. As you come to this table and Jesus there, imagine him breathing on you again. His Spirit. To call you again into an experience of sharing the very life of God. Early on in the days of Christ the Redeemer, uh, we, we had this moment one Sunday morning where a father was um, sh sharing the chalice with people in the congregation and his, his family came up and his little six-year-old daughter, uh, as he's holding out the chalice, she, she leaned over, and he leaned over and met her, and they kissed right over the chalice. You're a son or daughter. Let your Heavenly Father kiss you again this morning. Let Jesus breathe his life over you again this morning as the Holy Spirit comes and fills you. So let's take just a moment 
as we uh, end our reflection on sharing in God's life. And I'm going to ask you to do something. If you want to, don't feel any pressure, but with your um, heads bowed. If, if you would like to have Jesus uh, breathe on you again, the re his resurrection life, Be filled with the Holy Spirit again. I'm going to ask you to hold out your palms and have them face up in a position of emptiness. And just have a brief communication with Jesus. And if it's as simple as Jesus, I want you to breathe on me the way you breathed on those disciples 2,000 years ago. I've been dry, I've been rebellious, I've been, I know I'm a disappointment, all those things, but I know you love me. Would you breathe on me again? And Lord Jesus, as we come to your table, we pray that you would meet us in the bread and wine and deepen our experience of your intimate, face-to-face -face love for us. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.